This podcast is intended for mature audiences and could be sensitive to some. Listener discretion is advised. The content you'll hear is based on our own experiences, opinions, and recollections. We worked as forensic scientists and investigated thousands of crime scenes between the three of us. We went to burglaries, homicides, and everything in between. If there was evidence to collect or document, we were your gals. All names and locations, including ours, have been left out or changed to protect the privacy of those involved. If you do know or learn these details, please be respectful to all involved and keep the information private. Incident assigned. Welcome back. Hi. Welcome back. We hope you're ready for our first crazy tale from behind the yellow tape. So today we are going to talk about a, quite a roller coaster of a scene. Started off with a very zealous police officer who took the time to listen to a boy who possibly had a developmental disability and had walked into a police station with a pretty unbelievable story. He said that someone was dead and he said that he had helped move the body. So one night we were, the three of us uh, and another coworker were working uh, the overnight shift. And in the lab that we worked, there were shifts. So you had your day watch shift, you had your middle evening shift, and then you had your overnight shift. And we, there was always people, there were always people at the lab. So you did, you know, you did your work um, from previous scenes or from previous days um, while you're in the lab and you're waiting for new scenes to come in. So essentially we were working overnight and this call came in for us to respond to this alleyway to search for all kinds of different evidence. We had no idea really what we were going to be walking into. And when we arrived, it turned into this wild goose chase that we will probably never forget. Um, I remember it being kind of an especially dark and chilly, chilling kind of night when we arrived. Um, I remember arriving when it was very dark in the middle of the night. And by the time, you know, we were done walking through the alley, it was, it was coming up on daylight. But the story we were told, and there weren't a lot of details right away, but what was relayed to us went a little like this. There was a couple who had had a child together, and things were not going very well between the two of them. One night, the female was shot and had died. The incident had apparently happened on the couch in the living room in the male's house. And the next day, the male told his brother, who the brother was the boy that walked into the police station, but told his brother that she had shot herself, and then he forced the boy by threatening him to help him move her body and destroy the couch. So the brother had reported that they moved the victim's body from the house to an old warehouse where the male, who is now a suspect, had once worked. And that they also moved the couch um, and had destroyed the couch and cut it up and placed it all over the city. And that was all the information that we had to go off of. Yeah, so we're meeting the investigator down at at the initial scene. So I think when we arrived, the investigator was there and the brother was also there. Yeah, the brother was in the, the squad with him. Right. That brother had kind of given the investigator a little little quick tour around 
the city. Maybe not the whole city, but like where they had gone. Right. The areas that they had gone. And so we're meeting the investigator up there. And we get out of the car and it's garbage day in the alleyway. And there are bins everywhere. Bins, recycling, dumpsters. We got information that we need to be looking for pieces of a couch. Yes, because what we had been told was that the brother had helped the suspect move the body and the couch, and they cut the couch up and dispersed it. Right. So now we're on a little bit of a breadcrumb trail that this boy had walked in, told the officer. The officer passed it off to the investigation division, the homicide, believing this story. And so now we are going to go and collect and track down things to put his story together. So we're at one of the sites. Glamorous crime scene. Yes. Alley full of garbage. (laughs) Glamorous crime scene activity of opening garbage bins and seeing what's in them. Just searching garbage cans. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So we had heard that the body was moved. And so we're looking for body, anything with blood on it, and then particularly here, couch pieces. So we're digging through, digging through. Sun's starting to come up. Like, it was a dark fall morning. Mm Mm-hmm. And now the sun's starting to come up, which only helped our search, really. Yes. Then we started to find some boards and some long, long pieces and some pieces that look like this could be like a couch piece. I don't know if there were springs on them. He had taken the couch apart, broken it up, and put it in multiple garbages, multiple dumpsters throughout the city or throughout the neighborhood, I guess. Um, And so we're looking for couch pieces at this point. So we were finding boards and things that he said we stopped here and we're like, oh, this, you know, could be a couch piece. And you know what? Let's collect it and move on. So we ended up in the alleyway after our long search. The sun's coming on up. We collected some boards that could have been part of that couch. But all in all, I feel like we were pretty unsuccessful. Like no couch cushion. It wasn't like nothing that was bloody. No. It was pretty anticlimactic. Yes. Pretty tame. Collected the innards of a couch, like the boards and all the stuff. None of the, yeah, fabric. I don't remember much fabric, if any. It was all like the boards and that type of stuff. Yeah, and there was bags. We were opening bags to look in those to see if there was like a cushion or some fabric in that. And like, no, no luck. Nothing. And I think we're we're kind of waiting on maybe a search warrant or something, knowing that we are going to have to go to this warehouse. At some point. So we're waiting for for the search warrant. We're searching around. We get what evidence we think we can from this area. And we get the call. You guys are going to have to go down to this warehouse. Yep. So we transition. Yes. Yes. So we go over to the warehouse. And there was more stops in the alley, too, that needed to happen. And so at that point, the sun is up. Day watch is in the next shifts. We called them to go and officers would go to these other locations like we needed to continue but now we had the search warrant for the warehouse where the boy said that she was they took the body to the warehouse and put it in a closet at this older warehouse where it was still functional and kind of like a couple businesses in there but not a ton of employees there was a back alley and so there was like a window or like a drive maybe a driveway or an alley that goes by the side of the building so we started over there and the brother said he climbed in this window to get into the warehouse because he knew it like flipped open and then he went down and then opened or unlocked an overhead garage door and like lifted it up. And so then that's where they brought the couch in. 
and took that all apart or smashed it or did whatever. So then we're searching that whole area for more couch pieces. Is there any fabric? Is there blood here? It was pretty crowded and there was a bunch of other just warehouse stuff around there too. It was not like an open empty warehouse. There was stuff everywhere in that warehouse that we had to step over, climb over. And then we went into a back alley area, too, and the, the dumpsters and garbage is there. Yeah, there was such limited evidence in that back, like, drive-through alleyway. It was so interesting because we're getting all this detail about, like, stuff took place here in this, like, the neighborhood alley. stuff. like, they disassembled an entire couch, and we're and finding dispersed. nothing. Yeah, because the brother yeah. was fairly detailed on saying yes. what they did. Right. Yeah. And so I remember finding, I vividly remember finding an earring, like a hooped earring. And there was maybe a couple other pieces of evidence. And then the cadaver dog showed up. So they had a cadaver dog come out because we think we're looking for a dead body because he said that he helped move a dead body. And the brother said they'd put the body in this closet and yeah. described where the closet was and how to get there. So we kind of had an idea of the area of this closet. And she was wrapped in something, in either a shower curtain or a tarp. And I remember him, like, that he had said something about her foot sticking out. Like, he had, he saw, like, her foot. Like, they didn't just grab the body. It was wrapped in plastic or a shower yes. curtain or wrapped in something. Yep. So we follow the cadaver dog along. And, of course, we're documenting this whole time, too, and, like, There's lots of people searching, but trying to not get them in your photos. So it's taking a little bit of time to go through all of this, but we're following the dog. And we got to this area where we had heard about the closet and we get to the door and she's opening the door. And I think all of us with bated breath are looking at each other like, oh my gosh, is this it? It was almost like the scene, like you felt like you walked into a horror movie scene. Like this was a movie scene. Yes. And like the feelings in our guts were like, indescribable right like you think you're gonna open the doors and find this body and it's so unreal and unimaginable and that wasn't something we did we didn't find bodies we went once other people found them so this was not a typical experience for us to go and search and find a body typically someone has found the body or whatever and we're going to document and do all of those things but typically we're not part of the finding the body process but since they did get a search warrant and cadaver dogs and like following this goose chase so like come along photograph along document with us you know they brought us out as soon as they sometimes they go and you know the investigators or cops kind of go do and find all this stuff it was such a weird one we were along for the ride on this one it was a Mm -hmm. unique experience and so we got to this closet and the the lady with the cadaver dog was the one like handling the door so we all had gloves on and everything and she opens this door and it's empty. Empty. It's a bigger closet with shelves. The dog goes in there sniffing around. They got the dog hit on in the closet. So we followed a track to that, from that, and like it went back out to the alley, I think, or went somewhere else. Um, we went down a couple hallways, but the dog hit multiple places, this cadaver dog. So it was a confirmation that there was a cadaver there. So more weight to the boy's story, which right. only made us more curious. Like, okay. Well, what happened and where to go? Because she had been shot late at night. Her body was moved to the warehouse closet the next day. And then couch pieces were dispersed in the alleys. And then later that day or the next day, the boy went to the police station. And that was all the boy knew. He thought that her body was still in that closet. Yeah, right. 
that empty closet for us was like, okay, well, it wasn't this closet. So we like painstakingly searched everything that could maybe be considered a closet in that whole entire warehouse. Yeah. And every time that like holding of the breath as you're opening the closet, you're like, is it going to be the one? Yep. And it never was. Is there going to be a body in here? I mean, it was endless searching. Endless. Hour after hour. And, and anywhere you think that a body could be, right? Because obviously he came back because um, the brother was pretty certain that was the one the dog hid in it. So not only closets at that point were like, where could a body be? It's wrapped in plastic. So you'd see a glimmer of plastic somewhere and you're like digging. You're looking behind boxes, like just anywhere in this stuffed warehouse with a bunch of stuff that you're just mm-hmm. looking. I remember searching a desk drawer. <laughs> Like a person could be in a desk drawer. I mean, at that point, I feel like we're so desperate. We're yeah. like, yes. where is this girl? But maybe like, maybe her purse is in there. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, at like that point, something. it's like, yes, I mean, the body's not going to be here. You feel a little ridiculous searching some of those, but you're like, we need evidence something. to show something. that she was here. Other than a cadaver dog, yes, a cadaver. We have an earring. We don't know if that connects, but like we need some type of evidence to, to corroborate this boy's story. It was just so def- I just remember being so deflated. Yes. It was yeah. just so deflating. It was a roller coaster, as you said yes. earlier. Like it was ups and downs. It was like, am I gonna find him? No. Am I gonna find something? No. Did we search the same area three hundred times? Yes. 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 Like did, did we? Did you something? look and then I looked and then she looked and then her you know, the investigators looked and then the dog? Like, yes, because you never know. Just what are we missing? Check it here? again. So hours of doing that. At that point I feel like we had heard that. Daywatch had then collected a dumpster, a whole dumpster, because they found the couch cushions and some couch parts. So they took the whole dumpster to the impound lot to work on stuff. And we're like, oh, dang. But also, good. Someone's found something. But where's the body? And then at the same time, there's a witness that comes forward from the warehouse. Yes. They had seen the suspect who recognized him because he used to work at this warehouse. And the, the witness saw the suspect near a bathroom with a dolly and a bunch of small boxes. Yes. And that's, I think, the time that people realized we might not be looking for a full body. Yes. He said that he looked in the bathroom or walked by and there was a bunch of plastic all over in the bathroom. And then in the hallway, there was plastic and a dolly yeah, with small boxes. And he thought it was weird and asked the guy something. And then this guy carried on. Well, I guess you're not thinking like, man, right? I bet there's a dead body here. Right. Like, what's this weirdo doing that's yeah, like, like... you don't work here anymore, do you? Okay, well... You're certainly not thinking that there's going to be pieces of a body in all no. these different boxes, Normal right? people are thinking this. Maybe us. Us, yeah, <laughs> like, we're a little skeptical. You um, see that bag on the side of the road? You're like, yeah. maybe it's body part. Yes. Normal people are not like, Correct. there's probably a dead body around. No, and it wasn't, apparently, I mean, it probably wasn't blood-soaked. Like, there wasn't blood running out of the side of these, right? Because right? she'd probably been dead for a day or like multiple hours at least overnight you'd hope they'd call the the police right. or like something would trigger yes. if there was blood dripping places but yes i think you're right so now we're gonna search this bathroom for blood because blood we evidence. think that mm-hmm. she was possibly dismembered and that the body was taken apart or cut into smaller pieces to fit in those small little boxes in this bathroom that wasn't too far from that closet that infamous little closet. Well, and now you're like searching those desk drawers wasn't a weird thing. Now. Exactly. Now it's not weird. Let's go search again. Might have found a <laughs> finger. Again. And we had four of us on seat, four of us. And then I remember at least three investigators. Mm-hmm. 
fan out, search, do the things. And then we called someone back at the office to bring some blood chemicals out so we could process the area with that. We were looking around with our flashlights and our eyes just to see if we could visually see anything in the bathroom. It was a, there wasn't any windows. It was an interior bathroom. There was two stalls and then there was a sink and a larger floor area. Um, I think there was a drain in that floor too. So we looked with our, with just our eyes and flashlight, didn't see anything. So now we need some chemicals to see if we can search and find blood. So we use different chemicals. Some if we know blood is present to enhance it and visualize it, that is more stable. So we can document it, but this is just a presumptive searching technique just to search to see if you find blood. So our partner back at the lab, she brought out some Blue Star because we use Blue Star or Luminol when you're searching for blood. And so now we are going to spray Blue Star. So we have to mix up the chemicals. We spray them. Then we want a dark room. So we turn the lights off, shut the doors, and then we are in there to see if they react. So the chemicals, they make the blood glow if they react with it. They do bleach, different vegetable juices, some weird things. So it's not necessarily saying it's blood. We would do further tests if we find anything. So we are spraying all over this bathroom. But we had heard, like we said earlier, that there was plastic. The, the guy said there's plastic in there. So we weren't surprised when it wasn't bloodbath and the whole walls are glowing. Also, we couldn't visibly see anything. Typically, people aren't that good at cleaning up crime scenes, but if it was all in the plastic, so we sprayed these chemicals. We had a small little area glow on the sink or in the drain. There, there's two or three areas. So then we did a phenothaline test, which is a presumptive for blood to see, okay, is there blood here? I feel like those came back negative. There was a couple other small areas that we just sampled and brought back and collected with us because we didn't want to like test it. And then now we've lost that sample. You're swabbing that area to get the sample up and then testing it. So if you're testing it, you can't use it later on to figure out, you know, for DNA or anything right. like that. Yeah, a sample or area of blood has to be big enough to be able to presumptive test it and then DNA test it. So best practice would be to collect one set of swabs for each test. So when there's just really small areas that we're reacting, we're just going to straight up collect them and send them to the lab for testing and they'll tell us that. Um, but we, yeah, we don't want to waste our shot by just doing a presumptive on that. So we did it on a couple areas and it was coming back negative on those. So again, this big search, these chemicals, we think we're onto something and a big letdown. It was just so frustrating, but things lined up enough, you know, that you're going to keep going. You're always going to keep fighting, but it was just a letdown and like, over and over and over, just things that weren't, uh, weren't, pieces weren't falling together for us. We were just weren't having any luck with anything. And that was pretty much the end of the day, I think, there. That was the end of our shift. Yes, we finished that out. It was... By the end of the day, it's like mid-morning. <laughs> like, we're, we're supposed to be done early morning. Yep. It, by this time, it's yeah, we started late morning. The night before. So at yep. this point, we were going on hour 14 or 16 yes. of work. Absolutely. Doing all of that. And so we thought, okay, well, Let's go home. we're going to take off for the, you know, the day, our night. So we're going to go home and sleep. Four of us worked again that night. So we're going to come back in the next night. But we left Daywatch on it um, and doing their thing. So we went home and got some shut eye so we could come back and rally or see what's needed that night. Yeah. And then that's when Daywatch continued on it all day and found actual couch cushions and they found more evidence from I think there were some behind some businesses like a big dumpster behind a business I remember and some other things 
It was like citywide. Yes. It wasn't even just like that neighborhood that the house was in. It was everywhere. Everywhere in the city. All over the city. So at this point, we we went home and the investigators and we think that she was maybe cut up and put in small boxes. That's again speculation based on an eyewitness that was there and saw this guy with boxes, right? And there's no longer a body. That's where we leave off. <laughs> yes. And um, at that point, too, like, what did he do with the couch cushions and the couch? They broke it up and scattered it around the city. So then they're looking around the city and they were asking the boy, like, where else did they go? So they're thinking that the boxes with body parts in it were potentially scattered throughout the city and put in dumpsters. So now how do we search all the dumpsters when we don't have the boy or brother telling us what dumpsters to search and what areas? Because he took us to all the couch spots, took us and the other shifts and indicated that. And so they it's garbage day. Garbage trucks are running. So they contact the city. They got to find out all the garbage trucks from the city. Where are they going? Where's the trash going? We need to stop the process. We need to figure out what was picked up today, right, at the the incinerator. And so there's no landfill. So it's not going into landfill in this situation. It was going to an incinerator and being incinerated once they drop it off. So they decide uh, that they were going to shut down the incinerator and stop things going through, which costs like millions of dollars. Like it's not a, just, a, you know, turn a switch off to do this. And again, for a potential of a body. Right. We don't know for sure. Nobody knows for sure. We're going off what this boy says. All the things seem to align based on this. You're doing this. Um, it was a lot, a lot of searching. I think the police officers ended up searching through tens, if not a hundred tons of garbage. I mean, they, there yeah. was a thorough search. I mean, everybody wanted to find a piece of this body, at least something, right, that they could tie to the suspect because at the end of the day, we want to hold somebody accountable. So, I mean, the search is massive. I mean, yeah. all of these garbage cans were stopping, were halting garbage collection and trying to stop incinerators right. and the whole nine yards. Yes. But mind you also, we were a day behind from the beginning of how this went. So it, mm -hmm. crime happened and we didn't get a heads up to at least a day later. Mm -hmm. And so like we are behind on this. So they're searching all of that, doing everything. Then we came in that night um, during the day, right? They didn't stop the incinerator. They're starting to search, but they searched garbage for days, for a few days. days. This was not just a, you know, during the day while we were sleeping thing. Mm -hmm. This was a stop the production, work on that. Um, and then, of course, they got a search warrant for the house during the day. Um, when we came in that night, the middle shift was out at the house and they were doing the house, searching the house. So um, we called them to check in because we got in just to see, do you need help? There's a few people out there. Um, just check in to see what they were doing. And then that, that's when we learned that they had found evidence of blood. So they used the same chemicals we were using to look for blood. And so they were using Blue Star because it wasn't visible and so they you know looked all over um and then at that point the boy had um they had more information the body was on the couch upstairs when it was shot and then it got in the basement somehow and so the brother had said that it was in the basement wrapped in the plastic so now the other shift had more information that the body was in the basement so they are searching the basement with these chemicals they searched upstairs on the wall thinking if there's a gunshot there would be some blood spatter that would go with it that might not be on the couch, which is now missing or not missing, but not there, not in the room. 
and then the basement. So they were searching, sprayed the chemicals. They found some swipe patterns. They found some footmarks. I don't think you could tell if it was like footwear, anything identifiable or anything, but they could see that, you know, someone had walked around. Then everything had been kind of cleaned up or so diluted. And um, so they could see evidence of blood in the basement. Um, you know, so again, corroborate the story. We still don't have a body. Still don't have a body. Still don't have a body part. But they did have some evidence that there had been some movement of the body. Correct. So there at least was that. Yes. And so now we're trying to, you know, suspect had told the brother that the girl had shot herself and wanted to that. So now, you know, we have to figure that out. Like, can we prove it that he shot her, that she did shoot herself? We're looking for all of this stuff. Can we find an angle of anything? Still no body. So we got in. The middle shift was out at that. Eventually during all this, they had also grabbed video coverage throughout the city and they had actually tracked the suspect's truck through city video surveillance. They had traced where the truck had driven throughout right. the, the time that they think he was yeah. disposing of or putting the body parts in the boxes around town. Yep. And following that area. Yep. And I think, I don't know if they had corroborated that there was small boxes and stuff, but yeah, they had visual, they were watching mm -hmm. the video or watching him drive around the city and trying to go to those areas. I don't know if it was that day or the next day, but again, this investigation was over the course of a week, at With least. All the shifts, all the investigators, like everyone. So many people. All the sections. They did uh, search either on his phone, probably on his phone or internet, but they did find that he had researched um, garbage routes for the city. So he knew what day and like the routes and what time garbage was being picked up in which alley and which house and which neighborhoods. So he did his research on that. And so they found that, which again... Another reason to keep searching those garbage yards and like the incinerator and what hadn't gone through yet, what they could stop. So they kept doing that. And then I remember there was an another shift went out. There was a shed either in their backyard or a neighbor's backyard that had underneath the corner of the shed, there was like loose dirt. So they crawled underneath the shed and are digging in this loose dirt. And it's like, are you going to find a head? Is there going to be hands sticking up? Like what is going to be under here? I just remember them telling about it, us about it when we got back. When we came in for the night, they had done it like at dusk or earlier. But I remember them telling us about it and... Guess what? Nothing. Nothing. Goose egg. Again. Nothing. So, yeah, all of us had that ups and downs and like, are we going to find something? Come on. Like, we got to get something. Like, where is she? It was where probably one of the most frustrating scenes. Absolutely. I had ever had. Yeah. I mean, you just, you feel so let down. Like you're there to help the victim, help the family and speak for them. And you can't do anything. You can't do any of that. Right. No. You can't find anything to hold the suspect accountable. You know, luckily, you know, they, they were able to um, hold him accountable for tampering with the dead body. So right away they did they did get him with that. And a big part of that was thanks to the brother coming forward at that time, because if he had not come forward, there would have been even less evidence and we would not have known where to look to find what little evidence there even was. Yeah. Yes. Like but her family wanted answers, right? Like right. she's a missing person at that point. Mm -hmm. But we don't know did she kill herself? And then he just tampered with a body. Like, you can't prove it when you don't have right. the body. There was Nothing. no evidence. Or the gun. Like, we didn't have anything. And mm -hmm. still, that wouldn't necessarily, like, you need a body to show that. So, but they were able to show, I think, through all the blood in the basement, like, to show that, yes, we think that there was a body versus, like, you know, she's 
tied up in a closet alive somewhere. Like they're able to prove that it was body and charge him with tampering with a body. Yep. So we did actually have enough evidence that he did get convicted of tampering with a dead body. And then over the course of his time in prison, they did collect evidence via phone calls and recordings that um, they were able to tie the the murder to him also. So he was, in the end, convicted, um, I believe, of second-degree murder. And he is uh, he's currently in prison. So at least there is some accountability. And I think there was a little closure. but Yes, but there was still... She was never found. She was never found. No parts were ever found. And that's still like one that gets you. It's just like, oh, it sucks so bad. And what a letdown, like through all that hard work and effort and no evidence of like no, no body, no anything. Mm -hmm. And so. Yeah. Nothing for the family. Right. Like you're, you're wanting that resolution for them. Like we found her or, you know, at least something for them you're just working so hard right to get there and it I just to find something so it was good resolution in the end but it was a lot of effort and just Mm -hmm. a crazy story that will stay with all of us forever and just definitely one of interesting one one of the most interesting that I think we have for sure so memorable and I think memorable Mm -hmm. because it was so unusual and we were so ingrained in it we were just a part of the search that yeah, the actual investigation mm-hmm. beginning piece, which we never got to do. Very unique. Yeah. Yeah. Usually we get called out because there's a body found. They already found a scene. Right. Yeah. right. They've we got go the body. The yeah. yeah. Kind of know what happened. Right. Like this was, we're piecing it together as we're walking this scene. Yeah. We're getting more information like, oh, over here and mm-hmm. the incinerators. And yeah. The and it just shows dumpsters. how all of those pieces come together too. Like the computer forensics or, you know, cell phone yep. forensics video. and then the video forensics mm-hmm. and how they can track stuff. And all the blood chemicals and going out to scenes. And um, we use like the impound lot. It was the whole department working together and all the officers and working with the city and the incinerator and the trash. It was just it's a huge undertaking. Humongous. And I don't remember, like there's usually a couple of garbage uh, companies too. So, you know, working with those businesses and like the warehouse too, like it's just everyone coming together. And unfortunately there wasn't anything, but there was a good, a uh, I don't want to say good outcome, but at least there was an outcome and he was held accountable. Yeah, absolutely. I got to see a cadaver dog. Yeah. That was interesting. It's rare that we use cadaver dogs because yeah, usually absolutely. we have yeah. fresh bodies and we knew where they were. It wasn't a, a search for them. So right. interesting pieces in this one that we never didn't experience in others, but big, frustrating letdown yep. one. So that concludes cool. our first Kind of crazy tale yeah. from from behind the yellow tape that yeah. we have for you. One that we were all at and very uh, still close to the chest on that one. It just, it was, yeah. it meant a lot. We'll never forget it. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. we hope that you guys uh, enjoyed that. And we will keep feeding you some more interesting tales and tidbits from our time in the crime lab. And make sure you tune in for the next episode. Yeah. Or we'll give you another uh, another crazy tale. Yeah, sure. go ahead and uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Incident Assigned, the Yellow Tape Trio. We'll be back because every scene has a story. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to Incident Assigned, the Yellow Tape Trio. Please follow and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to rate and review us. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Incident Assigned, the Yellow Tape Trio. 
If you have questions, comments, or would like to share your own stories from behind the yellow tape, check out our website, yellowtapetrio.com, or email us at hello at yellowtapetrio.com. We would love to hear from you. While you're on our website, don't forget to swing by our merch shop and pick up some goodies. Don't miss our next episode where we dig into some more exciting crime scenes because every scene has a story.